You're listening to State Change, an interview series inspired by the emerging decentralization phenomenon. Hello and welcome to the State Change podcast. I'm Arthur Falls and I'm joined today by Kishore Atreya, Head of Digital Banking at Consensus Enterprise. Welcome, Kishore. Hey, Arthur. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for joining me. Can you give us a brief introduction to the idea of a digital bank? Sure. Um, the idea of a digital bank has, um, I think we should take a few steps back because there have been many loosely defined notions of a digital bank. And in the last five to 10 years, most banks and financial institutions have gone through some form of a digital banking makeover of sorts. And most of them are related to the user experience and the visual representation of the bank itself. And I would call them skin deep transformations in some ways. They don't go all the way into the core inner workings of a banking system. So the way we are defining digital bank at consensus is it's leading in with digital thinking with a digital customer base in mind and starting all the way up building a digital banking solution for the digital marketplace, for the digital consumer. What advantages does this approach afford? So I think it, it requires a preliminary understanding of the core banking market. Core banking, as it is kind of loosely defined, is the underlying systems and technologies that go into place in the operations of a consumer bank. And um, these systems were put in place about, say, 30 years ago in the US, and most banks are operating with these system. And with the advent of internet, mobile, and other advancements, many other systems and uh, band-aids have been slapped on top of this core banking infrastructure in order to deliver the, the channel experiences the customers are, are needing. Now, when we start reimagining the digital bank all the way from the core systems, what it really brings to bear is a fundamental shift in the user experience, in the fundamental shift in how people consume banking. So one dominant paradigm in the core banking systems of today is most of them are um, batch-based. So I'm sure you can relate to this, which is you would when you log into a bank, you would see things like posted balance versus available balance. When you walk into a branch, let's say at four in the evening, the teller is going to tell you, hey, you know, this transaction, you would get posted only tomorrow. It'll, it'll go into the next business day. So when you hear things like this, what's really happening is there is an overnight or a typically an overnight process that pretty much updates all these transactions. And that's the batch processing. And the moment you start getting into this reimagined digital world all the way up or all the way down, you would have more of a real-time experience or a true real-time experience. So that's one example of the extent to which this can have a, uh, an impact on how people bank today. So something I've always, uh, something that I, I, I bring up periodically, and it's related to the, the end of the notion of an end of day. And that's when you have a transaction that goes wrong or, or something that is, um, something goes a bit haywire. If you have this batch processing system, it gives you a chance to, to kind of re-examine things and potentially prevent that from, uh, that transaction from happening or to come up with a, strategy for, for mitigating any damages um, when it does go through. Uh, is, is that something that you guys, you're considering regarding with, with these uh, real-time banking experiences? So I think, again, I mean, we have to relate with what is in there today. Um, many of the batch systems we have in there today was defined for 
the brick and mortar like operations. So if, if somebody counterfeited a, a physical check leaf, which is you know uh, the smaller proportion of transactions we are looking at from a digital banking perspective. So such scenarios are either absent or extremely minimal that if you define or design your dominant system around it, you are designing for inefficiency. So that's where the, the value proposition for a real-time digital bank really comes into play. So you're designing for you're designing a system based on a more efficient and uh, and secure means of means of banking, basically. Yes, that is the dominant paradigm. Yes. So, what does the network look like? Is this strictly blockchain? Is this a more traditional type of uh, type of data infrastructure? What are you uh, What are you guys developing with? We are developing on the blockchain because one, um, in a, in a, in, for an oversimplified definition, blockchain is a a significantly evolved next generation database. So what it really brings to bear for a core banking system imagined with digital in mind is an infrastructure, a blockchain infrastructure that is that has the underpinnings. And um, it almost gives naturally the ability to do things like audit, preserves authenticity. So it lends itself to be this backbone for building your digital banking platform. Are you, are you partnered with anyone in developing this? So we are exploring many partnership opportunities because, as you can imagine, there are many key components associated with a digital bank. You would start off with something like an identity system, which is necessary for you to identify, authenticate, and authorize the participant in the digital banking equation. So if you start with these core components, all these core components that consensus is working on, like U-Port for identity and um, you know Balance 3, which is an accounting a general ledger type solution on the blockchain. All these bits and pieces are going to uh, find its way as we create this digital banking fabric. And um, each of these would entail some level of partnership with uh, other financial institutions, um, consulting organizations, so on and so forth. But you know, at the moment, I mean, it, all these are on the table. And so, what does the uh, what does the network look like if this is a uh, if this is a blockchain? Who are the validate? How do the validators interact with it, and how do the users interact with it? Thanks. I think thank you for asking that question because um, I would like to lay this view a little bit broader. The way we imagine digital bank at consensus is it's a subset of a broader open financial platform. So if you can think of an ecosystem where there are many different kinds of participants, like financial institutions, consumers, and customers, like you and me. They are free to exchange products and services between customers and financial institutions or even between customers themselves. So if you think of this broad fabric as the vision for any open financial transaction metaphor, a digital bank in essence becomes a subset of that metaphor where a bank is offering a set of products and services to its customers. So with that thinking in mind, uh, um, going back to your question on the network, a digital bank in isolation could be purely on a private blockchain or a consortium blockchain, whereas an ecosystem, like the way I described, an open financial ecosystem where there are multiple banks, multiple financial service providers and customers participating could be on the public end of the um, infrastructure. So that, so that could actually be on the public infrastructure, on the public Ethereum network? Yes. I mean, so if you scale the, the problem to a broader need, which we see in the marketplace, it could be in the public Ethereum network. If you scale it down to a, a bank, to its customers kind of a situation, it doesn't have to be on the public. It can be on the private or consortium network. 
So should we expect to see a kind of a hybrid model where we have some consortium ledgers uh, communicating using the public network as an intermediary? I, I, we should. I think definitely that is, um, that is how we imagine this panning out. Now, the question is, which is going to be the starting point? Are we going to start with the public Ethereum or are we going to start with the private? Private seems private and consortium seems to be the legitimate starting points based on what we are seeing in the, in the market. But I think only time will tell us how exactly this evolves. But I think consortium is going to be part of the fabric. So how do these, uh, so when you say consortium, you're referring to a group of, uh, a group of institutions that communicate through a single blockchain, but that is closed off to outside users. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine what the, uh, what the fabric would look like, because I presume that the, the experience of using it would be, uh, would be seamless. So do you have a, uh, like a, a bank with its own in blockchain tracking its internal, uh, its internal accounts and then an additional blockchain connecting to external institutions and then? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the way we should think about it is, I mean, if the digital bank is, is the, the subset use case we're talking about, would ideally live on a private network, which means the bank is managing the network. So it's a very centralized example but it brings to bear many other aspects which you know many banks and financial institutions don't have today so it's it becomes that starting point and um, i think self selection or um, mutual selection will allow the consortium to expand um, allowing other participants to start you know incorporating themselves for specific activities on the blockchain so that's how we see this consortium kind of expanding up what are the criteria for joining a consortium chain? Obviously, one just natural selection criteria is that you have to be okay sharing your transaction information with other members of that consortium, correct? Yes. So, I mean, what kind of institutions would be comfortable sharing their transaction information with one another? So this could be a, a mutually beneficial situation. So I think sub, it could be subsets of transactions where we could fork off and say, these transactions are candidates for um, for this consortium because I see this as many different consortiums coming together. So it's not like a single set of transaction or there is one common set of transactions that have to be shared with all consortium. It would be subsets of transactions that could be shared with um, some banks and um, some financial institutions. So why does this work so well for the current financial industry? Is it because this this imitates their national, natural uh, or their, their current financial flows and, and business models and, and, uh, and business agreements? So I think this would in many ways be a, a natural extension, but a more efficient way of doing what, what's happening today. And for those reasons, I can see this working. Additionally, I think it, it also takes away the, the number of hops a, a transaction sometimes has to take in order to see its full realization. So when you're able to short circuit or eliminate uh, hops, you see value and um, value being realized in the process. And so, so traditionally with our, with our batch processing method, a, uh, a transaction would be processed by a bank, you know, internally by a bank, and then that might be cleared at the end of the day with another bank. It, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to see where the... Uh, um, the inefficiencies where, are... So I think um, it really depends on the on the transaction that we are talking about. So if if we take the case of a simple check, if you write me a check and you bank with Bank A, 
and I bank with Bank B. I walk into my bank and present your check, and they would say, fine, makes sense. We would not credit the amount yet till the other bank is able to verify. And um, they go to a, an intermediary, which is ACH, electronically or uh, physically. I think most of the physical is eliminated these days, but electronically and overnight, they would reconcile all incoming such transactions across banks. And then finally, the, it's netted out. So there's a lot of physical movement that happens in this example. Now, in the electronic world, I mean, we, we can easily see why some of this will not be there because the physical element is not there, but still the intermediaries prevail. So the ACHs of the world or the SWIFTs of the world will continue to prevail. And some of this can be removed when you start bringing some of these consortiums together because the intermediaries can be short-circuited to the, to the end uh, banks. Where can people find out more about this stuff? Is it, uh, is it kind of, uh, is it a bit stealth, uh, stealth mode right now? It's, it's very much in stealth mode right now. I mean, I think the reason it is in stealth mode is because many of the bits and pieces that we spoke about earlier, like the, the identity components or the uh, accounting components, do exist today. So we are really looking to bring those pieces together to form a, a holistic solution around digital banking. And um, that's what is putting us in the stealth mode for the, for the near future. Great. Hey, thanks so much for joining me, Kishore. I uh, look forward to hearing more about the digital bank in the future. Thanks, Arthur. Thanks for listening to State Change. Check out consensusmedia.net for more.